0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, probably one of my favorite apostles, uh, Peter. I like Peter because uh, he usually got in trouble for acting before he thought things out very clearly. And uh, to me, he was one of the more human uh, apostles of all of them. And I can uh, identify with a lot of the mistakes that he's made. But he also gives a lot of good advice to us and I'll be reading today from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. For those that are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of today's scripture. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you, visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who, who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. Please be seated as we hear the word preached by Brother Steve.
1: Hey, and thank you, Russ. Uh, I want to say hello to everybody. I'm your new pastor. <laughs> or it may feel that way. Uh, you know, I, I did not preach here one time in June. I don't know if that's ever happened before to me. But uh, anyway, and I was on vacation three of those four weeks. And I'm grateful for those who gave the message while I was gone. One of them was uh, Russ, a retired pastor, made his home here in Faith Westwood. Uh, new college graduate, Madison Barbin. Great job. Our director of children's ministry, Leah DeNoso. I was here for that one. And then uh, former missionary mom of five and full-time student, Angie Washington, gave the message last Sunday. Now, is that a great cross-section of our church or what? Yeah. And I'm sure you wouldn't remember this, but... My first Sunday here at Faith Westwood was on a July 4th. That was 11 years ago today. And that first Sunday, something happened I did not expect. I immediately felt at home here. It was a God thing. And over the years, I have grown to love you so much. Yesterday, Trish and I spent the afternoon uh, helping Pete at, at Pete and Repeat's petes uh, fireworks Stand, which is our church's annual project, to uh, make sure that we have free vacation Bible school for all kids. And I am so amazed at the dedication from a core of people who are there every day for those seven days, and plus b- kind of before and after. I'm so proud of them. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we love it that we can come to you today. We get to gather uh, with no threat of punishment. And uh, we come here, we don't have to pretend. We come just as we are. Even if we're feeling unprotected, uncertain, unsettled, we come. Walk with us, Jesus. Heal our hearts. Forgive our sins. And today... We receive the Father's words, I have called you by name, you are mine. Thank you. And all God's people said, amen. This is the first Sunday of a series called Offshoots. Uh, And during these four weeks, we'll look at offshoots that diverge from classical Christianity. Uh, and, and we want to ask, who are these groups? Uh, what are they? How did they get started? What do they teach? And I want you to know that I'm not here to put anybody down, okay? Uh, but it's just as important to know what we do not believe as it is what we do believe. And I think that's part of our vision of becoming Jesus' deep, daring, daily disciples. Our theme for this series, our uh, theme verse, comes from uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to his friend Titus. Uh, Titus had gone to visit the church in uh, the Greek island of Crete. Well, it's Greek now. Uh, Titus's task was to appoint leaders in the church there. And Paul gives Titus instruction uh, for these leaders. And here, I'm reading this verse from the Contemporary English Bible. Here it is. They must, oh, could we skip that one? I didn't include that one. All right, thank you. They must pay attention to the reliable message as it has been taught to them so that they can encourage people with healthy instruction and refute those who speak against it. And we still have to do that, even today. We have to pay attention to the reliable gospel so that we can teach it to others and so that we and they don't get off track with a different gospel. We need to be clear about what we do teach and what we don't teach. For example, if I started uh, teaching reincarnation, uh, I would very promptly be corrected by my bishop and my district superintendent They would say, Steve, you can't do that anymore. And if I refuse to stop teaching reincarnation, I could be removed for teaching doctrine contrary to the gospel of Christ. Reincarnation is how people from Asian religions explain why life seems so unfair. And they say, well, it's It seems unfair, but it's not really unfair. Your bad fortune in this life is karma from bad behavior in a previous life. You're just getting what you deserve. But reincarnation is not what God revealed to us in the Judeo-Christian story, and that's why we don't teach it. Uh, I think all of us remember on January 6th and the days following, we all watched the, the footage on television of of the storming of the U.S. Capitol. I know I saw photos of of one person carrying a giant Jesus flag, right, and someone else uh, carrying a large cross. I saw a picture of one person uh, carrying, holding a Bible, and another wearing a a T-shirt with a cross on it. And that day, uh, at least for some people, we witnessed the extreme form of an ideology called Christian nationalism. And today I want to unpack a little bit what what that is. What is Christian nationalism? I have to tell you, I'm nervous about talking about it. (laughs) Uh, Because nationalism is is kind of a a strange merging of faith and politics. And that could be a dangerous ground when you're a pastor, you know, talking to the people. But it's important to talk about it because with Christian nationalism, Jesus gets taken hostage for political purposes. So here's my definition, at least as it applies to us. Christian nationalism is a belief that the USA is God's chosen nation and that God has appointed it to be a Christian country. It's tempting to believe that, isn't it? I think it is. Now, don't get me wrong. Christian nationalism is not the same as being a Christian who's patriotic. You know, a lot of you will be flying the stars and stripes in front of your house today. Well, go for it. I know some of you are wearing, uh, uh, you know, kind of patriotic clothing today. That's great. Uh, and while you're at it, shoot off a few for the red, white, and blue. I know when I was a boy growing up on the farm, I remember, I remember this day vividly. I was, I was up in my, my bedroom. I think it was in an afternoon. It's a bedroom that I share with my, my brother. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I was the only one there at the end the of time. And, and I looked out my window and I could see the, the rolling hills of farmland. It was a beautiful day. And I thought, how blessed I am to live in America. And I still feel that way. I am blessed to live in these United States. And I want everyone to feel that blessed to be here last summer trish and i took a trip to colorado we hadn't been there for a good while and the mountains were just so breathtaking Uh, a week ago friday trish and i were in kentucky visiting her family and and uh, she and i picked blueberries at this you pick blueberry orchard and uh, it was just a gorgeous day wonderful And even though campaign seasons wear me out, I love living in a country where we all get to vote. I love that. Whatever our race, whatever our religion, we are all Americans. Essayist uh, Gerald Early once said, I think there are only three things that America will be known for 2,000 years from now when they study this civilization. The Constitution, jazz, music, and baseball, (laughs) right? And if in 2,000 years we become known for those three things, that's not all bad, is it? Baseball, jazz, and the Constitution. And the First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees us five freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom to peacefully assemble, and freedom to petition the government. All this is to say that I I see no conflict between being a disciple of Jesus and being a patriotic American. And I would expect Jesus' people in other countries to be just as patriotic about their nations. In three weeks, uh, we will all be cheering for Team USA at the Olympics, right? But I want you to remember something. Faith Westwood is an international congregation. Some of you come from other countries. And maybe you'll be rooting for those teams, too. Zimbabwe, Kenya, United Kingdom, India, Mexico, Iowa, you know? Yes! You know, I think the Olympics promotes a healthy kind of nationalism within a global community. So what is nationalism, all right? Now, like a lot of words, nationalism gets used in different ways. It has a range of meanings. Uh, It can mean just being patriotic, proud of your country, that's fine. But nationalism takes a step further when people believe that their country is superior to all others. And while I'm personally glad to be an American, if I'm able to put aside all my biases, I'm not sure I can, but if I'm able to, I know that no nation can claim to be, rightly claim to be superior to all others. And claiming superiority can be a dangerous place to go. Have you ever been to the World War I museum in Kansas City? I, yeah, Trish and I have been there. It's really worth your time if you ever want to go. Uh, I was, it was there that I learned that the rise of nationalism in Europe... In the late 1800s was one factor that set the stage for the Great War. And then nationalism can go even further. It can mean a belief that this nation is only for people like us, whatever us is, or that people like us should be in power, people like us should hold power. It's that kind of nationalism that led Germany to say that Jews don't belong here. This nation is not for them. So what is Christian nationalism? Well, here's my definition. As I said before, it applies to us. Christian nationalism is a belief that the USA is God's chosen nation and that God has appointed it to be a Christian country. And it assumes that Christians should be in charge, that that Christianity should have a privileged place guaranteed by the government. And it's similar with white nationalists, right? Uh, They would believe that, that white people deserve a privileged place in this country and that people of color don't belong here or should have a lesser place. And as you might guess, some people believe in both. Christian nationalism... And white nationalism, of course, it's not anything new, is it? There have always been people in America who believed in a kind of Christian nationalism. I'm sure some of us have, you know, leaned that way to some degree. Uh, But when you read the Constitution, what do you find? Nowhere does it say that the USA is a Christian nation. We're not like the United Kingdom with an official state religion, which them is the Church of England. I I remember a Christian guy in one of my churches many years ago, uh, a a guy from England, who told me about the problems that are caused by having a state religion. Uh, He said one of those is in the public schools in the UK. They teach the Christian faith in public school. I go, whoa. It's part of the curriculum. The kids are forced to learn it, and it's often taught by people who don't believe it. And uh, and so they do it very poorly. My friend said he wished they didn't do it at all. Do you know, do you know why Europe has so few people, percentage-wise, who personally believe and belong to Jesus and, and live out their faith? I think one factor is that That it's because most nations in Europe have an official religion government gets used to prop up the church and the church gets used to prop up the government I mean who wants to believe a faith like that it's not like that here maybe that's why maybe that's why Christianity is stronger here let me clarify one thing nobody ever says I am a Christian nationalist (laughs) You, you don't find them No one uses that term to define themselves. It's used by others to describe this ideology. For example, um, your neighborhood might welcome a church that wants to build down the street. That's great. All for it. But what if people bring a petition to your door because they want to keep a mosque from being built in your neighborhood? Well, they won't say that they're representing christian nationalism but that's what it is read the new testament you never see christians seeking political power jesus's people in, in those days there was always a minority their only power was expressed through love and self-sacrifice the government gave them no rights they they just tried to live in peace with their neighbors as best as they could and create curiosity about jesus and, uh, of course, being a Christian in the Roman Empire was risky. You know, proclaiming Jesus your, as your king could get you in a whole lot of trouble. There are a few passages in the Bible that, that advise Jesus' people on how to get along, relate to the government, and one of those is a passage that Russ read for us a little bit ago from 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 11, the apostle Peter says that Christians are foreigners and exiles in this world. In other words, our primary identity comes from Jesus and not from the nation, not from the government. The Apostle Paul was born a Roman citizen. He had somehow, by the way, the place where he uh, was born, that he was granted uh, citizenship. uh, and, And this gave him a few rights, over non-citizens. It gave him the opportunity to appeal his trial to Caesar, which he did. And because he was a citizen when he was executed, uh, the the early tradition says he was beheaded and not crucified. Oh, the privileges of citizenship, right? (laughs) But the empire was not Paul's primary citizenship. It was not his primary identity. Paul was on Jesus's team. He was a citizen of God's kingdom. As he told the sisters and brothers in the Roman colony of Philippi, our citizenship is in heaven. Verses 13 and 14, Peter says, Submit yourselves, therefore, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. And I think the four most important words here are, for the Lord's sake. You belong to Jesus, so don't give him a bad name by breaking the law. Be a good neighbor. Show kindness. Be honest. Don't cheat. Pay your taxes. You know, the New Testament teaches that God believes in good government. And God will hold leaders accountable for how they govern. And even if they do it poorly, um, we still owe them respect for the office they hold. That's why Peter says in verse 17, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor, or respect the emperor. But there was one thing that Christians uh, could not go along with. Roman emperors had established a religion around themselves. Uh, sometimes in history they call it the imperial cult. And in cities all over the empire, people visited these imperial temples to worship Caesar. And this religion was used to promote the legitimacy of the empire. And so they they blended the stories of of nation and religion into one story. It was a kind of religious nationalism. And Jesus' people did not buy into it. So if you've ever been tempted to believe that the USA is God's new chosen nation, I would encourage you to think again. It may make us feel good to believe that God likes us best. (laughs) But there's nothing in the Bible that that even would remotely lead us to, to think that God would raise up a new chosen nation. It does say that the church is now God's instrument. And the book of Revelation says that we will be from every nation, tribe, people, and language. In the early pilgrim days, a lot of Christian minority groups came from Europe to to the American colonies seeking uh, freedom. They wanted a place where they could follow their faith and practice it freely. And the U.S. government was designed to be non-religious so that we could all worship as we wish, whether you're Hindu or Jew or Sikh or Muslim, whether your religion is atheism, Christianity or football. safe place for everybody Christian nationalism on the other hand is a belief that the USA is God's chosen nation and God has appointed it to be a Christian country I believe that Christian nationalism is neither truly Christian nor truly American and I suspect that the reason we see a rise Of Christian nationalism in our time is due to fear. Fear that we are being taken over by non Christian groups, anti Christian influences. I understand that. There are threatening trends in our nation. Some are predicting. Uh, and not without uh, reason, that in the next 10 to 20 years, people of traditional faiths may not be allowed to, to teach in universities anymore. They may not be allowed to work for the government at some point. I don't know. We'll see. But Jesus told us to expect stuff like this. And if it happens, then we have to respond with grace and love. So, here's what I'm asking you to do. Be careful not to blend your patriotism and your faith into one story. Okay? Will you do that? Be careful not to blend your patriotism and your faith into one story. Well, I want to end today by showing you this. This Bible was given to me, but I've never brought it out in public until today. And I'm sure you can see why. Red, white, and blue cover. The way I see it, the reason I haven't brought this Bible out i read from it here publicly in worship. It's because I'm afraid that it sends a message that is neither Christian nor American. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful uh, to be Americans, if it, for those of us that are and citizens and, and uh uh, for the freedoms that we enjoy here, Lord, we are, we are thankful. And, uh, Lord, we ask you to, uh, to bless all those who serve us in, in office, local and state and national offices. Oh, Lord, we offer them our respect and we pray for the, the peace and prosperity of this nation. And Lord, we ask that you will give us clarity and wisdom as we seek to be your people, as, as we claim our citizenship in your kingdom. Lord, help us to, to understand the, the stories that we're a part of and what things are, can be brought together and what things must clearly not be brought together. Lord, I I know that I haven't given the last word on this, but I would ask that you continue to teach us, uh, lead us in your way, that we can be Jesus' deep, daring, daily disciples. We pray in his name. Amen.